0: This is the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, and today I'm going to be talking about a very important issue for teachers and also a reason why many teachers are leaving the profession these days, and that is the issue of stress and teachers are actually amongst the most stressed professionals in the world and in today's um, episode I'm going to read to you a blog post um, as per my usual strategy, um, a blog post which I wrote over at my blog which is um, richardjamesrogers.com. The blog post is entitled Dealing with Stress as a Teacher and I will link Uh, this blog post in the episode description. So, do check that out because it has got loads of tips in there and it has got lots of links to additional resources which I will mention during today's episode. Um, So, let's begin um, because the, the blog post really says everything I would want to say ad hoc anyway. So, here we go. Teaching is definitely a stressful job. In fact, a February 2019 study by England's National Foundation for Education Research found that 20% of teachers feel tense about their job most or all of the time, compared with 13% of those working in similar professions. Additionally, as if that wasn't startling enough, a recent Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD Survey, found that teachers in England have one of the highest workloads in the world. The statistics themselves are worrying enough. That's one in five teachers in England carrying a burden of worry and stress on a regular basis. As a teacher myself, I have certainly had my fair share of work-related stress over the past 16 years. Some of the problems I encountered were the result of self-sabotage and inexperience, and some were beyond my control. Whatever the causes of your stress are, there are effective ways to deal with them, and I'd like to share what I've found to be the best ways to do just that stress tip number one when your lessons are not going well this is often a result of poor or rushed lesson planning and is normally avoidable I have fallen into this trap many times in my career using my free periods to write rough lesson plans or spending a few minutes before a lesson to think about what I'll actually do sometimes this works sometimes it causes problems. Take the time to spend a whole morning or afternoon each week to plan a week's worth of lessons. I use my Sunday mornings for it. Get a teacher's planner and think about, number one, the starter activities you will use, and I have a blog post linked in in this blog post in the episode description, and make sure you plan for your lessons to begin promptly again there's a link to a blog post about that in the um, blog post linked in the episode description number two think about where the kids will sit at different points during the lesson will they need their books at all times do you need a seating plan so that problem students are not sat next to each other number three Think about breaking up the lesson into chunks. Variety is key if you want your lessons to be engaging and fun. Read my blog post about learning games you can use. And again, the link to that is in the blog post in the episode description. And number four, think about the syllabus content you will cover. With some classes, you'll have a lot of content to get through in a short space of time. Get your PowerPoints, presentations, Google Slides, quizzes and other resources ready well in advance of these kinds of lessons. You might also want to read my blog post about keeping up with your teaching schedule. And again, that's linked in the main blog post in the episode description. Stress tip number two, when you have too much marking to do marking tends to come in waves in teaching there are times of the academic year when you've just got normal regular homework and classwork to mark and there are times when high intensity marking hits us like a bolt of lightning for example number one when a work scrutiny comes up and a line manager wants to see your class notebooks number two when you have a load of end of unit tests or exam papers to mark and of course number three when parents evenings or parents consultations come up and you need to mark a lot of work so that you have some good points to discuss in the meetings marking can be a big problem for teachers but again it's easily avoidable when a little bit of time is spent planning in advance think about these tips that you could implement Firstly, in your weekly planning, think of peer and self-assessment techniques you can use to quickly deal with homework and classwork. Read my blog post on peer and self-assessment, linked in the main blog post in the episode description. Secondly, use the technique of live marking to keep those notebooks up to date. Live marking is basically when you either call the students to your desk one at a time and mark their work in front of them or you walk around the classroom with a pen in hand and mark student notebooks in real time. Read my blog post about live marking again in the main blog post linked in the episode description. Thirdly, take a deep breath and plan your time if you find yourself with a ton of exam papers to mark within 48 hours and trust me i've been there then the first thing you must do is sit somewhere quiet and plan your time for an hour think about your targets which papers need to be marked by when should some papers be marked before others is it possible or appropriate to use peer or self-assessment for some exam papers Fourthly, try using stamps and stickers. They'll save you some writing time. And fifthly, make sure you've got a set of model answers ready for your students. This will save you writing out the correct answers for the students by hand in their books. Never do that, by the way. Stress tip number three when you're in trouble with your boss over something. Now, this is the one that we don't really like to talk about much as teachers, but it is something that needs to be addressed. One of the main causes of stress for teachers, I believe, is that we are held to a far higher professional standard than those in most other professions. As role models, we have to be extra careful about Firstly, what we say and do in society. Secondly, what we say and do on the internet, for example, with social media. Thirdly, how we interact with our colleagues. And fourthly, how we interact with our students and former students. We do need to be mindful of these things on a daily basis, but even then, we may make mistakes. If you are called to a meeting with your boss over something, then don't panic take a deep breath and think about your side of the story and the facts of the matter at hand. In your discussion, focus on solutions to what's happened. How can we solve this should be your mentality. If you've done something wrong, then admit it. Covering something up will only cause more problems later on. If you feel that you've been unfairly treated, then speak with a union representative or a lawyer before making any big decisions, for example, choosing to resign. I know that this is not a nice subject to talk about, but unfortunately it's one that does come up. Protect yourself and your reputation. Do your best every day and just let life roll. Some things are just beyond our control. Another thing to mention, by the way, is that absolutely everyone makes mistakes. Now, I know that's cliched, but it is true. Keep a written record of the mistakes you've made in life somewhere and read over it on a weekly basis at least. When people tell us to learn from our mistakes, they can sometimes miss the fact that in order to learn from our mistakes, we have to remember those mistakes. Keep a record, and consistently reading over it is a good way to do this. Stress tip number four, when student behaviour is poor. It takes time and experience to build up our skills as good behaviour managers. Things to bear in mind are, firstly, boring lessons can cause some kids to play up. Try to introduce a variety of activities into your lessons if possible, and be vigilant in watching your students carefully during practical activities, computer based work, and group work. Secondly, praise, when used effectively and with sincerity, can be one of the most powerful behaviour management tools out there. I've written um, a blog post entitled The Four Rules of Praise which you'll find linked in the main blog post in the episode description. I've also um, produced a YouTube video about that. Again, that's embedded within the blog post, which you'll find in the episode description. And I've actually also um, produced a podcast episode entitled The Four Rules of Praise. It's actually episode number one in this series. So please do feel free to go back in time and have have a listen to that. Another thing to bear in mind is that good behavior management can only really be achieved with a long-term strategy. Effective lesson planning, good use of praise, fair and consistent use of sanctions if necessary, and good use of professional intelligence to reinforce our students' sense of self-worth and character are all important. Again, there's a blog post I've written about subtle reinforcement which is a very powerful strategy and you'll find that linked in the main blog post which is in the episode description. There are many facets to being a good behavior manager but it basically all comes down to the relationship or rapport that you build with your students. Again I have blog posts about these things um, there's a blog post about building rapport and about behavior management, both of which are linked in the main blog post in this episode description. Stress tip number five, when a colleague doesn't like you or is causing problems, when you begin to have a positive effect on your students, and you gain a reputation as a good teacher, you may create some enemies. Some of your colleagues may not like you simply because you are better than they are or perhaps they feel insecure when they're around you. You need to be careful in these situations. Here are my tips. Firstly, control your speech at all times when in the presence of your colleagues. Off-the-cuff remarks like, I'm behind with my marking or... I got totally wasted on Friday night can actually be used against you by conniving and jealous colleagues who want to secure your destruction. Now, I know that that doesn't sound very um, collegiate. It doesn't sound, um, it doesn't sound very, um, how can I put it? It doesn't sound like the behavior of a productive team Certainly, I would never do that to a colleague, but there are people out there who will use the information you give them against you. So it's very important that we always present the best versions of ourselves to our colleagues. Secondly, a very important one, and it's probably an obvious one, and I I apologize if this is too obvious, but I'll say it anyway because it still happens, and that is don't gossip and don't associate with gossips. Gossips are notorious for being negative and untrustworthy. Just don't do it. If you're asked directly or prompted to gossip about a colleague, for example, you can respond with, I don't think I should talk about that, or even, I don't like to gossip about people. Um, it's it's so important to do that, everybody, because when, when you gossip about someone, Even if everybody in the room agrees with you and they're all talking about this one person or gossiping about management or whatever it might be, the people in that room are going to think, oh, I can't trust Debbie. I can't trust Richard. I can't trust Tommy or whoever it is because that person will gossip about me one day. And it's very important that we maintain trust with our colleagues by not gossiping, no matter how tempted you might be. And trust me, I have been in some situations in some schools where there were some very juicy situations happening and um, it was always tempting to gossip, but it's, it's always important that we don't do that. Thirdly, if a colleague is genuinely causing problems for you, then make a record of all interactions with that person, handwritten if necessary. Speak with your line manager about it and ask for suggestions. It's much better to tackle this issue in a professional way from the outset rather than submitting a formal complaint when the problem has gotten out of hand. So so basically, what I'm trying to say there is speak up as soon as something happens uh, before it escalates. Um, Fourthly, If appropriate, speak with the colleague you're having issues with. You may wish to ask a third person to attend as a witness. Be polite, be respectful, show that you are the mature person in this scenario. And fifthly, now this is um, going to push a few buttons with some people listening here, but I do believe that it's valid, and that is keep all discussions with colleagues academic in nature. Try not to discuss politics or touchy issues in society. So, for example, um, LGBTQIA plus rights, third wave feminism, uh, Brexit, you know, these these kind of issues that are very divisive. They cause a lot of um, emotional responses. Um, I personally find it's best to stay away from these topics, Um if they're being discussed in a casual setting. Now, of course, if you're designing a curriculum around these topics, that's totally different. But if you're talking about these kind of things in the staff room, and you've got a particularly strong opinion about something, you might end up really annoying someone. And unfortunately, that could cause a problem for you. And it's not nice to say that, but that's the reality, I'm afraid. We live in a time, unfortunately in which people can be easily triggered by an alternative view you might have that challenges their perception of the world. I mean, feel free to discuss this kind of stuff with close friends or family outside of work, but don't make the mistake of believing that your colleagues are your close friends. They're not. Your colleagues are the people you work with, and all interactions with them need to be professional in nature. If something is not related to your work or the curriculum, then you don't really need to discuss it it's that simple and you know i would i think this final bullet point probably applies more to newly qualified teachers and early careers teachers than perhaps old hats like me who've been in the game for a long time i do realize that some people do form very strong friendships within um within their within their um staff bodies and when at school and with colleagues but I still believe it's important to remember that your colleagues are the people you work with and you have to be very careful about how you interact with those people okay so what's my conclusion Um, well my conclusion is that teachers today are more stressed than we have ever been in history relax plan ahead deal with issues head on, and don't worry. Two books I highly recommend for consistent worriers are the first one, and this one is awesome, everybody. I mean, I've read this a few times myself. It's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, and that's by Dale Carnegie. And for those who don't know, Dale Carnegie is the best-selling author of a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, I strongly recommend that book. Read it from cover to cover because it will just save you so much anxiety. Another good one is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, This is a very good book for developing mindfulness, um, although Eckhart himself doesn't like to use the term mindfulness because he feels that implies that the mind is full of something. Um, But it's a very good book for being present within the current moment, and leaving all stress and thoughts of the past behind. We've got to take care of our mental health as teachers, everybody, because we do have stressful jobs, and it's so easy to make mistakes and cause problems for ourselves as well. Uh, We're always under scrutiny, not just by our line managers and senior management, but also by society in general. We are held to a far higher standard of, of moral conduct than people in other professions. So, for all teachers listening to this, um, you're brave. You really are brave and exceptional people just for being a teacher. You know, just for being teachers, we, we take on huge responsibility and let's face it, you know, in terms of financial reward, we don't really get as much as what um, highly qualified professionals in, in perhaps other professions might do. Um, although the reward in teaching, of course, is far more than just money. And I still believe that, um, you know, it's a very rewarding job in terms of the impact we have on the next generations of young people. Um and we, you know, we get a lot of joy from that as teachers, and we mustn't forget that despite the fact that teaching can be a very, very stressful job, there is also a large upside to it, you know, the fact that we're using our lives to help, support, and influence positively young people, I I think is a great thing, it really is. If you need help, with specific issues, you can um, feel free to email me at info at richardjamesrogers.com and I will offer the best advice that I can. If I can't help you, I'll tell you straight up that I don't know the answer. But normally I've got some ideas as to things that might help you. So do feel free to email me. Also, check out my blog for teachers at richardjamesrogers.com. On there, you will find hundreds and hundreds of free articles which have been uh, very carefully researched, very carefully written, most of which by myself, a number of which by very good guest bloggers, um, covering all aspects of teaching, classroom management, assessment, behavior management, and so much more. And if you're looking for a book that will give you some no-nonsense tips on how to be an effective teacher, then check out my book for teachers, which is the quick guide to classroom management, 45 secrets that all high school teachers need to know. And the link to that book's Amazon page is in the episode description. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I really hope that this um, this episode was helpful. There is one final thing I want to say and this is purely my opinion now, but I think it's justified. What I see these days is a lot of teachers venting their frustrations on social media for the whole world to see, particularly Twitter. Twitter tends to be a big platform for this. Um, I've seen heads of department Regular teachers are just complaining about how much stress they're under, uh, complaining about their workload, uh, complaining that they can't cope. And whilst social media can be a very supportive place, we must never forget that the parents of our students can see those posts. Our students can see those posts. Our colleagues can see those posts. So my advice is please be mindful of what we're posting on social media for the whole world to see because quite frankly, there are some teachers out there who are clearly very stressed. They're looking for support, uh, many of which I I know are lonely, they, they feel isolated and they're going to social media to vent their frustrations and everyone can see it. And I just feel that It's not the best way to reach out for support. Always go through professional channels. I think as teachers, we are trained to be supportive of each other. And I would say, if you're having problems, speak up early on, talk to line managers, um, go through your school's official systems, whatever they may be, and speak up and let people know what's going on. and and request support that way, I think that's much better than through social media, but if you have to reach out through social media, consider doing it through private groups, or through, um, you know, private Google Hangout groups, or, you know, the the social um, chat apps, like, um, I don't know all of them these days, but things like... um, WhatsApp and WeChat and QQ and Line and Viber and Kick, you know, these kind of what hopefully should be private groups, rather than posting these things on social media for the whole world to see. You know, I think this is important, especially as the world becomes more and more and more digitized, you know, and we, we do create these digital footprints, which you know, are quite easily searchable by future employers and by parents and students. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I've really enjoyed um, making this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Please check out the blog post, Dealing with Stress as a Teacher. That blog post is linked in this episode description. And that blog post is literally a very good resource bank of other blog posts which go into specific issues that you might be dealing with. Um, And that's it from me, really, everybody. So thank you very much. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and enjoy teaching. Bye-bye for now.